From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Innovators Radio Show and Podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned thought leaders, founders, and game changers committed to ideas, innovation, and entrepreneurship well executed. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggle, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes purpose-driven entrepreneurs and game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by executive producer of Stanford Athletics, Beyond the Champions, radio show, and principal of Podfather Media, Tom Dioro. For our guest today, honored to welcome Faisal Nasser, president of Pura Air. Pura Air Purification Systems works in any large space, creating safer indoor air quality. Pure Air has worked to re-engineer solutions that mitigate the flaws in design, construction, and proper science in air filtration by using industrial tested and true practices applying these solutions to medical and dental uses. Faisal has over 25 years of experience as a results-focused executive with I put this in there because I think it's appropriate. Serial success guiding cross-functional, high-performance teams. has over 20-plus years of leadership, strategic planning, and business transformation has helped position Pure Air as the leader in medical industrial air cleaning, UVC lighting, and mechanical engineer. Feel free to find them on the web at puraairpurification.com. Hello, Faisal. Super honored and excited to have you on the Innovators Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you very much for being here. Tom, thank you so much for having me here. It's an honor. Uh, Faisal, you, we, you and I talked in our, I would call it the virtual green room. Is, um, you, you have a, you know, a prayer, a quote, a mantra that uh, your audience today can get a little insight as to who you are you know, personally and professionally. Of course, it's a snapshot, but I'd love to hear. Love to hear. Yeah, I do, but it's um, it's more something that we uh, we use on how we guide our our children. Uh, my wife oh, and I came up with it when when uh, the kids were young, and we've tried to. Uh, it sits on their wall in their bedrooms, and it's um, the hard thing to do is the right thing to do. Uh, the hard thing to say is the right thing to say, um, and that's always very challenging. Uh, if you fail, stop and try it a different way. And above all else, if you're going to do something and you do it with any doubt on your capability, then look at what's giving you that doubt and, uh, and, and change it so that if you're going to do something, believe in your brand and believe you can execute against it. We've taught them that since they were young. Um, sadly, they have to repeat it sometimes, even as teenagers. Uh, but, um, uh, but we also try to live it so that they can see by design. Excellent. How is that foundation also led into what it is that you do as a professional? Wow. Um, I certainly took uh, a challenging path. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I, I'm a glutton for punishment, I think. Um <laughs> I worked for companies, uh, you know, and before I went out on my own or embarked on my own, I worked for companies that um, were all high performance oriented. Um, and that's a, that's a double edged sword. One, 
Um, you've got to show up and be able to perform. But on the flip side, uh, you also learn an incredible amount about what you're capable of doing. It forces personal innovation. Um, and um, I, I wouldn't change it, although it has been a hard path. But that hard path would go back to you know your your principles. Mm-hmm. Um, you have them. Very few. The truth be told, is very few people even have a pr- principles or even know what what they are. <laughs> so uh, I commend you for being that way at, at a family well, level at, and yeah. a professional <laughs> level. Um, no, it's 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 evident with what it is that you do with your company. So share with us, you know, what your company does and 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 how well you do it and where you are if you're at liberty to do so. Sure. Um, so Pura Air um, is actually something my business partner and I uh, entered into reluctantly um, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Um, we own a company called Air Plus Industrial, um, which has been in the heavy industry clean air space for the better part of three decades. Um, and so we work in virtually every industry, but we've got to be We've got to consider things like explosion risk, environmental mm. concern, plant and uh, worker safety, and so on. Um, when the pandemic hit, uh, we made a commitment. Uh, we're a small business. We made a commitment to not laying off any of our any of our staff, um, thinking that that the shutdown would only be a few weeks. And here we are, uh, uh, over a year later, and we're still working in. Uh, in in this new environment mm-hmm. where uh, we've got to have masks and be careful of what we're doing, how we're doing it, and where. Um, what ended up happening is uh, we were. I was approached by some colleagues who um, who basically said they were afraid for their their patient, um, mm-hmm. their work, their staff, and their own health. Um, and I will admit that I had started out the uh, the pandemic fairly ignorant of of what the real risk was sent me down um, the rabbit hole on research. And um, and we quickly realized that given our focus is in industrial air quality, um, we were well suited to take a fully engineered approach um, mm-hmm. to bringing something to market. It's unfortunately a space with very little overall regulation around indoor air quality. Um, it's a crowded space. There are, uh, you know, there are, you can go to the corner um, mall and, and, and buy a small unit for a few hundred dollars. Mm. Um, and then you can come to the other end of that spectrum um, to pure air where um, it's rather expensive. And that breaks down into the engineering, the methodology behind um, how you, how you treat uh, indoor air because it's filled with not just COVID-19, but it's filled with viruses, with bugs, um, with mites, dust, pollen, fungi. Uh, we we inhale a whole bunch of things we can't see. Yeah, my understanding is that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that the indoor air quality is oftentimes worse than exterior or outdoor air quality. Indoor air quality is uh, most times worse than outdoor air. And we spend now 95% of our time inside. Um, When you look at, um, we need three things to survive. We need food, we need water, um, and we need air. Uh, And even in emergency training, they'll tell you, you can survive three weeks without food, 
three days without water and three minutes without air. We do lots to take care of the food and the water, um, but we don't do much uh, around indoor air. And the 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 human lungs are are really the entrance to the body. Um, the fastest way, other than an intravenous injection, to get something into the human body is through your lungs. Uh, in your lifetime, uh, you take in uh, 250 million liters of air. That's four times more than food and liquid combined. It's about 11 to 13,000 liters of air per day. And how many of us really think about it? So true. And is there, I'm thinking it because it's not tangible or it's not visible, like obviously food and yeah. air and water is tangible and visible and the air is just so taken for granted. It, it really is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're fortunate in, in North America um, where, um, you know, we we live in these nice buildings, um, but we really do take it for granted. Most of us don't realize that we suffer from air quality uh, on a regular basis. It's as simple as um, headaches, dry throat, eye irritation, runny nose, um, but it can also get a lot more serious. And this is the part that's concerning, and this goes, you know, beyond COVID. Um, it's our position that indoor air quality um, is actually a preventative health uh, uh, effort that we should be we should be focusing on. Um, with uh, more severe outcomes, can be can include things like asthma attacks, um, infection with Legionella bacteria, carbon monoxide poisoning, uh, cancer. We've seen that that there's evidence that even uh, exposure to air pollutants has increased respiratory and cardiovascular disease, angina, high blood blood pressure, heart disease. So you can see why, if we, given we spend so much time inside, we really do need to start thinking about the air we're taking in um, as we're trapped in these buildings and not getting fresh outdoor air. We really do need to think about. How do we address it both at the building level, but also in our in our unique spaces? Yeah. Speaking of addressing that, if you're at liberty again to share some of the folks that you're working with or projects that you're working, you don't have to mention names or company names, but just you know the the size or the scope of the, some of the projects that you have been doing and uh, and the outcomes. Yeah. Uh, when we when we went down the path. Um, we approach this very much like we do um, any industrial solution, which is look at the problem case and then and then work backwards on who do we need to help fill in the blanks. And so um, we were fortunate enough to be able to bring some uh, some key thought leaders in this space together. Um, obviously, there's AirPlus, um, but truly my business partner is the brains um, behind uh, the indoor air. We had uh, engagement from a uh, mechanical consulting engineer firm. Um, those folks build and run hospitals and, and they brought infection control protocols uh, to our design team. Uh, we work with uh, Signify, which was formerly known as Philips Lighting. Um, mm-hmm. And fortunately on our team is the global head of their uh, germicidal UV business. Uh, and um, and on our team, we've got Dr. Brian Fleck from the University of Alberta. Um, he is the past chair of the Department of Mechanical Engineering and one of the um, one of the the thought leaders in indoor quality and mechanical systems. Since then, we've been really uh, 
we've we've been fortunate and and focused on the corporate space. So we've got a, a number of very large um, corporations that are looking at their most critical spaces. As an example, there's a um, a multinational pipeline operator. Uh, and for them, their most critical spaces are their pipeline operation centers. Those people are very, very hard to replace, and you certainly don't want to have an issue with a pipeline. Um, as as you've experienced in the U.S. recently with uh, some of the utility challenges that, mm -hmm. that you had with the cyber attack. Uh, so what we've done is work with them on those very unique spaces, but we're also uh, working um, in the long-term care segment, in the extended medical um, in food manufacturing, um, what we're seeing is transmissions are happening in areas where it's just natural to have your defenses down. So on the, the processing floor, everybody's um, on their A-game, uh, watching all of the, the protocols that have been established. But it's when you go to have a coffee, when you go to the changing room, when you walk down the hallway and stop to talk to somebody. Those are where transmissions are happening because those are areas where there's a concentrated viral load. And since then, we've also been lucky enough to actually get involved with the research community. Um, we are now uh, fortunate enough to participate in a weekly uh, crisis science collaborative that involves um, top researchers uh, from throughout North America. We've actually even had some from the UK and uh, India recently. And where Pura is uh, participating is in how do we how do we look at um, making a change in um, in in or how do we look at protecting people um, in spite of the fact that behaviorally you know there's only so long we can hang on to um, all of the, the the different crises we have to deal with. I mean, before COVID, there was Ebola, Australian bushfires, forest fires killer bees. There's always something going on. Uh, and if we're going to get people back to work, um, to we need to find a way to do that in light of the fact that COVID's here for at least the next number of years. This is terrific. Great show. You're listening to the Innovators Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with uh, Faisal Nasser, president of Pura Air. You can find them on the uh, on the web at uh, puraairpurification.com. Again, that's puraairpurification.com. If you go back to the, uh, I love that, protecting people. Can you go into that? Uh, it sounds like that is the core of why you do what you do, even though obviously there's technology and there's a tremendous amount of testing and validation. But that protecting people, I noticed, was pretty prominent on your uh, your website and, and your um, collateral. Yeah, it is. Um, we need. The, the, I mean, we have. We've. When was the last time we dealt with a pandemic? Uh, huh. It's fundamentally changed yeah. uh, everything we do, uh, and it's taken us and pushed us in a direction where we're just not comfortable. We're not wired to live the way that we have been. Um, people need to have social interaction. Um, we need, we're, we're social, but we also need to earn and live. Uh, we need to get our kids uh, comfortable and safe. Uh, and we need to get back to it. 
We just need to acknowledge and internalize the fact that getting back to it is going to be a little different than what it was um, 14, 15 months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think right now what we're seeing with the different parts of the U.S. Uh, opening up in different ways is we're seeing uh, researchers and, and, and our public leaders try to figure out what is the right way to do this? How do we go back? Um, I, I would say that, you know, the, the more information that comes out about COVID and the potential damage and the mutations and all of that, I don't think we need to run afraid. I think we just need to, um, we need to be methodical about realizing that we have to get back to work in a new way. We have to get our daycares, our hospitals, our our doctor's offices, our dentist's offices, the long-term care, anywhere and everywhere um, where somebody might be immune compromised. Um, we just need to think about treating the air. And overall, what we'll end up having, if we take indoor air quality seriously, is I would argue that we'll end up seeing um, an overall preventative healthcare benefit, right? So it is, it's a social good and I, and, um, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't realize we'd be going down this kind of social welfare or social capitalism where we're able to make a difference. Um, we do it on the back of solid engineering. We do it for the right reasons. And yet we're still a company that's looking to grow and, and be for profit. That's uh, the social good and there has to be, this is a very personal question, but do you, do you go into every business or facility and see where they, if you ask them, Hey, what are you doing about your indoor air quality? That probably 90% of them would look at you quizzically. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, And, and the problem is, is every time you turn on the TV, the radio, the internet, uh, social media, you're getting, you're getting different information. Um, and you're getting organizations um, that make claims of X um, without any real substantive research to back that claim. Um, I, I would like to think that most everybody's just trying to do the best that they can with limited information. Um, you know, we went, if you, if you go back a, a year ago, um, to just when Pura was at its inception, we were trying to, to scream from the mountaintops to anybody who would listen that it's aerosolized. Well, only recently, I mean, it's as, it's as recent as April 5th, you've got organizations like ASHRAE and the CDC and the WHO coming out and saying um, uh, airborne transmission is significant, but it's not droplet, it's actually aerosolized. And they're two very different things. You know, droplet implies a rain and aerosolized, it, it basically remains suspended in the air and through natural turbulence, it can move and it can travel. How has it been since, uh, we'll use April 5th, as in getting the public and the private sector to understand they need to do something about it. And the most effective way of doing it is through their HVAC system, through their uh, filtration system. And they just, I, I'm not so sure owners or managers of facilities or buildings know where the heck to even go. No. Um, and it's, it's been, it's been, 
that's the hardest part um, because there is also, you mean, you mentioned HVAC and even what HVAC can do is incredibly limited by the nature of the fact that building systems, building envelopes have changed. We've, we've made our buildings um, a lot more energy efficient. You know, we're using all these new technologies to seal up our buildings, but we're still laying out HVAC systems in, in, you know, 30, 40 year old ways. We're still using um, somewhat an antiquated methodologies to um, with these new uh, building systems. I think what you'll see, in fact, I'm confident given we're working with a couple of the firms, looking forward, you'll see the, the big manufacturers address entire buildings. And I think you'll end up seeing it'll be not just HVAC, um, it will actually be HVAC and air purification. We'll start to see um, uh, we'll start to see new buildings with smart HVAC systems that recognize population density in a particular space. So that's looking forward. Today, what, what we have is, is people trying to do the right thing. They've spent millions and millions of dollars uh, addressing buildings without recognizing that you're making a change at the, at the central mechanical system but that doesn't address the fact that in my office at this particular minute, I'm having a staff meeting with five people. So Pura doesn't, our methodology right now, or our approach right now is not to look at entire buildings. It's to look at space specific solutions um, so that we can work from the highest risk down to the lowest risk. Um, and as technologies continue to advance, and I, I think you're going to see indoor air quality um, and, and an old industry go through a bit of a super cycle or, or a, a bit of a modernization um, as, as we look at and understand the fact that it's, it is, you know, it spawned from COVID, but it has a general health, living, wellness benefit. Um, chronic fatigue, uh, a lot of that comes from the air that we're breathing in the afternoon, the, you know, the loads in, in our offices. Um, the CO2 loads get higher and we're naturally not taking in as much oxygen as we need to. What happens? We get tireder. Uh, thankfully, in our new building here, we've implemented Pura um, and, and it almost feels like Vegas. We're awake all day long. <laughs> Outstanding. Faisal, this is a, this is terrific, a terrific uh, interview with you. Thank you. This is also the Innovators radio show and podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. Our uh, public service announcement today is for Kennock Place. And uh, Kennock Place is a children's hospice. They place comfort and compassion where children can receive expert clinical care while experiencing the simple joys of being a child with their families at their side. Kennock Place is where short lives are lived to the fullest, here I encourage you to go to their website at canuckplace.org. That's C-A-N-U-C-K place.org, Canuck Place Children's Hospice. We're talking today with Faisal Nasser, president of Pura Air. You can find them on the web at puraairpurification.com. Again, that's puraairpurification.com. Faisal, can you share with us why Canuck Place means so much to you and your organization? Um, I'm a father, 
first and foremost. Uh, and we've been blessed n n not to really have to go through anything um, challenging with our children, other than, um, you know, a son who's who, who likes to be outside and, and fall down and, and, and break bones. But that's that's a natural part of, of growing up. I think for boys, you know, pushes the extreme. Can I get hurt? That's okay. We'll do it anyway. Uh, and when you when you look at uh, uh, Canuck Play, takes you know cares for over eight hundred children who have life threatening illnesses. I just couldn't imagine um, what it is to be a parent going through that. You know, they say a, a, a parent should never outlive their child. Um, and this is probably one of the hardest places to work in in our province um, with some of the most fragile and innocent and trusting people out there um, children are the purest form of love right and and of, sure. of energy and uh to see a kid to know to know of a child going through anything like what they go through in this place um, helps with perspective so Excellent. actually in conjunction, uh, my business partner and I, Mike Mead, in conjunction with uh, a local company, um, GPM Civil, and, and, and one of my closest friends, Jason Green, um, we've gotten together and we've donated um, an, a couple of Pura units um, for the main for the main area where the families are, where the kids play, where the nurses' stations are. Mm. Um and it was humbling to, when when we approached them. The gratitude and the excitement, um, very very humbling. So, uh, just feel uh, incredibly blessed to be able to give something back. Um, frankly, for those of us that have done well, uh, it's an obligation to care for each other. If we don't, where do we end up? Well said. I'm going to touch back again to the uh, the fully engineered and the testing. Um, just from what I found. It's just my opinion. I don't know if it's such it's the right thing to say, but it sounds like you over tested it, your units. Um, and in that, I don't know if that's by design or uh, or required, but it seems like you know you've got an ETL, you got all the the, the standard um, safety precautions and safety certifications. But you guys look like you went above and beyond to make sure that these these units work well and could be uh, are, are uh, safe. Yeah, we. Um the it's interesting the testing space is is still somewhat new i mean there's particulate which is one thing um but being able to test for virus in the air is a, especially when it's aerosolized is a whole different set of challenges so we continue to uh, to work with the research community on uh, on that and getting better at it but <laughs> we certainly did apply uh, the sledgehammer approach to the engineering um <laughs> Uh, the, you know, big sledgehammer to get a very small virus. Um, and, and that's really uh, the background of, of, of Mike, uh, my partner. Um, when you consider, when I approached him with this, um, and I always ask him, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like you to do one thing for me, which always ends up blowing up into a lot more. But God bless him, he did it. Um, the, he didn't, the approach that we took here was, to address this like we would any industrial requirement, which is um, when you've got a company betting profit and loss, it has to work. Um, 
and uh, it has to be um, it has to be uh, engineered for uh, no from for no better way to to put it. Um, by doing that, we are and by engaging with the different thought leaders. So when you're looking at it, it's not just plunk a unit in a space and away you go. Um, it's not just we're using UV and away you go. Um, every single aspect of it had to be considered. So um, what does you using UV mean? It's I mean, UV is the sun, it's radiation. We know it works. We've got four decades worth of evidence. But now you're 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 dealing with air at speed, air in motion, which means you've got milliseconds to treat. What does that mean uh, for all of us? You've got um, how do we deal with um, filtration? What do we? What kind of filtration do we need? Um, we opted to go for a thing called scan-tested HEPA, that was gasketed. So again, another consideration is if there's even a pinhole of a leak, you're going to have cross-contamination. You're going to have air go through, go around the the, the filter surface rather than through it. The most challenging piece was creating the kill chamber or, or our UV chamber, um, because in there you run into um, the fact that you have to take air out of an environment and return it into that environment um, without creating an imbalance. And so you've got a, 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 an incredibly short amount of time to address the air. One bulb does nothing. Um, one bulb at the bottom of a chamber does nothing. Um, we had to think about uh, the air speed. How do you slow it down? We had to think about what what is the what what how do we set the bulbs out inside the chamber? What angle? What distance from the sidewalls? How do we not get stuck with the bagel effect, which is um, if you if you have a if you turn on your toaster and you put a bagel on the heating element, it will burn. If you move it a half inch away and put it on a tray, it'll toast. The exact same concept applies to a part particulate, to a biological particulate, either being close to the UV bulb or half inch away. The kill rate drops by an order of magnitude. So then, you know, you think about, well, what is the, what material are we using inside the chamber? There's so much of that thought that had to go into it and the, again, the engineering and the math behind it. And then you have to go through and try and build it and test it and, um, and see, does it work? What's the fan velocity? How does that impact what you're doing with the filters? So on and so forth. So it was a lot of, uh, thankfully we come at it from, uh, from three decades of experience, but it was still new learning and, and we still continue to learn, you know, as we look at where Pure is going to go, um, it's our intent to turn the company um, into an organization that focuses on building, um, adapting or acquiring other solutions, technologies with a very specific focus. Do they address clean air, indoor air quality? Mm. So we're looking at all kinds of things that, you know, it's, and it goes beyond um, just even uh, COVID or flu or, or cold or, fungi or mold or spores that are in the air it goes into even things like fires climate change um there's 
a new term that I learned in getting involved with the research community, which is synthetic biology and bioterrorism, something that, you know, you see on TV. You certainly don't think about it on a daily basis. So as we look at what our roadmap is right now, we're looking at the commercial and industrial space. Um, you know, we're going to, uh, as we grow and as we, um, as we fund the organization, um, we're going to continue to enhance the commercial industrial space. Um, but even in our houses, if we can get, it, it, nobody gives a thought to their furnace system in their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's rare that we even think that, oh my gosh, I have to change the filter. Um, so when you see the sunlight come in and you see all those particles floating in the oh. air, well, that goes in our lungs. Yeah. Um, and how many of us suffer now with asthma? I don't, but my two kids do, um, and my wife does, which is odd. Um, so as we clean that air up, what does it mean for living? What just as if you can even just address things like asthma or stuffy nose, you know, fewer sinus headaches, fewer sinus medications that we take, and then you go into this is technology. It, it may be simple, but it's technology. So imagine if we could start to capture data around indoor air quality, indoor clean air. Um, how are people moving within buildings? What could we then do in future buildings, in future medical spaces to lay them out properly, to have our medical systems adapt accordingly? Um, what does where we live or where we work and that outdoor air quality, how does it affect us inside where we're working? And you see organizations like the Well Institute who are starting to talk about that as well. Um, So as we bring our, you know, with our research, uh, with the research community, as we start to look at what does indoor air quality mean? How do you define it? How do you, how do you look at it? It's going to involve it, you know, technology companies, manufacturers, um, a whole host. Faisal, it's really been an honor and pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you very much for being here. Really, truly uh, outstanding uh, what you what you guys are doing, and, and, and I love uh, your intent and where you're going. Thank you very much for being here. It was an honor. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. I uh, really do appreciate you uh, giving us the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Faisal. You've been listening to the Innovators Radio Show and Podcast. Our guest today has been Faisal Nasser, president of Pura Air. Pura Air purification systems work in any large space, creating safer indoor air quality. Pura Air has worked to re-engineer solutions that mitigate the flaws in design, construction, and proper science in air filtration by using industrial tested and true practices in applying these solutions to medical and dental uses as well as commercial and industrial buildings. Faisal has over 25 years experience as a results-focused executive with serial success guiding cross-functional high-performance teams. For more information, feel free to visit the website at puraairpurification.com. Again, that's puraairpurification.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another mission-driven entrepreneur, thought leader, or game changer committed to smart ideas, innovation, and entrepreneurship. Well executed. I'm Tom Dewar. The Innovators Radio Show and Podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Stanford, California, and on location. 
the audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos and chief engineer Mark Lawrence. And the executive producer of The Innovators is Tom Dioro. <laughs>